things that require your knowledge, experience, and help make you money, those are strategic tasks. Everything else is tactical. That goes to somebody else, 100%. You're listening to the Merged Marketing Podcast with David Louch and Jason Hunt. Our mission with this show is to discuss all things business, digital marketing, sales, and mindset. It's our hope to empower entrepreneurs to get the most from their efforts so that they can focus on what they do best. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Merge Marketing Podcast. Today, you're listening to episode 54, in which we have the pleasure of interviewing Matthew, CEO of Extend Your Team and an outsourcing pro. After growing an e-commerce business to $5 million in annual revenue, Matthew finally figured out how to hire a real professional overseas who can run the business better than him so that he could focus on the things that really mattered. Matthew now connects entrepreneurs with executive level pre-qualified remote workers to help them scale their business and make more profit, something all entrepreneurs struggle with at times but seek to do. Matthew, thank you and welcome to our show today. Thanks, David and Jay. Good to be here. Excited. Yeah, we're really excited to have you as well. And um, for the listeners today, you know, many of you, many of us are familiar with the four-hour work week concept, which was popularized by the book of the same title by Tim Ferriss. You know, building a passive income source from a web-based business and automating as much as possible is how I best describe my interpretation of the four-hour work week mentality. Like all good concepts, though, they get misinterpreted and morphed into new versions of themselves. I think that our guest today would agree that the hack your way to success mentality is not an effective approach to building a business and wasn't the original intent behind the the book. So we're going to dive into a few things that I kind of went over there. But but first, uh, Matthew, let's let's get straight into it. And, and if you could share with the audience how you went from working 14 hours a day down to three and what your business was at the time when you did that. Sure. So uh, my other business that I own is an e-commerce portfolio, has uh, four sites. And I, for the first three and a half years of business, I, I, I'm an operations guy. I love like fiddling. I was an ex-management consultant, like tweaking operations. I love it. Not the best idea when you buy a business. Sometimes it's better just to let it go. Sit. I learned my lessons, but you know, I was just getting killed. I mean, I, I like. I mean, really, I don't. I'm not exaggerating. I was working 14 hours a day, and I was miserable. It was affecting my marriage, and you know, vacations were workations, and you know, I really didn't have time to relax. And it certainly wasn't what I thought when I bought the business. And so, what happened was, my wife and I were going to um, China. And so she said to me, she goes, I hope you don't work on this vacation. And if you're married, you know, the word hope coming from your wife or your spouse, it's really not a request, right? (laughs) Certainly not for my wife. And so so she said, uh, why don't you hire someone? I had had, four hour work week style people from the Philippines that everyone thinks will change your life. I call it the myth of the $5 an hour VA. If yeah. $5 an hour talent could save the world, believe me, we would all be billionaires, right? And that, that's not, it's just not the way it works. And so, you know, over time, I, I understand how to hire and manage that talent. But I said to my wife, I said, look, we're not going to be able to find higher level talent in the Philippines. I know really successful internet entrepreneurs, way more successful than me, and they don't do it. And I would ex- really hope that they would have figured it out. 
And she said to me with the, you know, the your dummy eyes, she said, uh, hey, uh, it's a country of 100 million people. I'm sure there's someone. And so I was like, all right, uh, I'll try. <laughs> and I spent about two months um, interviewing, probably interviewed 100 people, reviewed a few hundred more resumes. And, you know, I found someone who, who worked for a 100-person development shop in the Philippines, was looking for a change. She was willing to come work for my six-person company. And I can, you know, and I convinced her to come on board. I now I had standard operating procedures already because I had a team, right? So this wasn't like, hey, come run the company. I trained her for a week and I said, good luck. I'm going to China. Like literally <laughs> like you're in charge. Now there's true. The truth of it is I was still watching, but I worked for the first time in years, maybe an hour a day, just checking to make sure nothing went off the rails. It was gone two weeks. And I would say 80% was right. About which is about as good as anyone could do in the first three weeks of a job. Within you know, within six weeks, I just was like, "Here you go, here you go. Let's see where this breaks." And she was like, "Give me more, give me more." And at the end of it, I sat there and I said to my wife, "I kind of feel guilty. I don't have anything to do. Like I have stuff I'm doing to like focus on growth now. So I tasks, well, more strategic stuff, but I didn't really have tactical items anymore." And it, it felt weird, but it was like six weeks. Mm. And a, a year after that, it's, you know, maybe two hours a week. I mean, it, it really is. I, I just talk to her about what's going on. And that's the extent of my involvement. I say hi to the team. I talk to her. I say hi to the team on calls. I talk to her. She gives me updates. That's the extent of my involvement now. Wow. I was going to say, uh, Matthew, I think one of the uh... – you know, the misconceptions that people have is that it is shoddy talent that comes from overseas. But I think you hit the nail on the head there because it does take some, you know, sifting through the weeds to find the ones that actually do have that talent because there are a lot of talented people that are overseas and it just does take some time to find them, right? A hundred percent. Look, a hundred percent. I think there's a couple things that I've learned through this that hopefully people take away. It, it takes time, like you said, Jay, number one, right? Number two, uh, we don't, as Americans don't necessarily have access to the best talent. We only have access to where the talent that we know goes, right? So in the Filipino world, the where everybody starts their first Filipino hires, typically you can do Upwork or you do onlinejobs.ph, right? That's where everybody starts. And they boast, I mean, the guy has built a phenomenal business. He was the original guy, you know, pushing this. They have a large number of people, but a lot of most, mostly lower level talent, right? And I got, frankly, I got lucky. I mean, I'm just gonna be honest with you. Like she just went there because she didn't know where else to go. And I connected with her and I got lucky. And, but now, now that I have a Filipino hiring Filipinos, my talent level for across both businesses went up dramatically. And it's really, there's just amazing people. The thing that I remind myself and I tell other people is just say this over and over. You're not special. You're not. This, this, like, you don't have any special God-given talents that other people in the world can't have. It, the challenge is just finding them, right? And it's getting easier and easier these days. And, you know, Matthew, I'm curious to get your your perspective on this. Do you feel that there's a negative stigma in Canada and the U.S. about businesses hiring overseas? So, yes and no. 
I mean, I would say that these days it's how companies are being built, right? In my opinion, companies will be built nationally and globally. You don't, people aren't necessarily going to build regional companies anymore. Not if they're knowledgeable companies. I mean, if you're you're building a plumbing business, obviously, right? But mm. there still may be a component of that that let's just say your bookkeeper could be somewhere else, right? People are going to start leveraging remote work dramatically, in my opinion. Now, I'm skewed because I've been doing this for a while, but there are people who say you're taking jobs out of America. I mean, let's be honest, right? I don't view it that way because it's it's we live in a a world that's interconnected. You love the internet. You love YouTube. You like watching, you know, K-pop videos from you know South Korea. Well, in a world where you have access to that, now you have you have access to other talent. You know, you can't take the what you perceive that only the good and not take the bad. Mm -hmm. I, you know, the, the, and also the talent level that people are competing with, right? I'll understand also the price points. So, is someone? from the Philippines at 18 bucks an hour, who's been a project manager for like 15 years, are they really taking a job away from someone $18 an hour in the United States? No, because that's a different job class. And an entrepreneur can't afford, many entrepreneurs cannot afford to hire a 75, 80, $100,000 project manager. They just can't afford it. So what happens? This is again, my opinion is that businesses are hampered by growth, right? So if you always say, well, I have to wait until I hire that 80,000 person, your growth is hampered. Therefore, you actually may, you know, you may actually not make more money, not give back to the economy, not, you know, generate more taxes for the economy and even generate more jobs. All because you would be hampered by only a $100,000 project manager. What the global talent pool does is open up. It, it really is democratizing business. You now can compete with people punch way above your weight and get that level of talent. Mm -hmm. So in my opinion, and, and I'm skewed because I've been doing this for a while, but in my opinion, it actually makes is really good for the economy because you're not, you're not outsourcing jobs. You're bringing in extra talent that you can afford. Big difference. So for a second, Matthew, I want to talk about uh, the elephant in the room, which are some yeah. of the challenges with which do come oh, with yeah. people working overseas because it, it's not perfect. Um, it, you know, it, it uh, you know, there are some of these challenges, you know, we've worked with VAs as well. And I think one of the biggest ones that, that, um, that I've kind of noticed is trying to have somebody that works overseas work in the, in the same time zone as you. They're human beings working the graveyard shift. What kind of, you know what I mean? Like yeah. what kind of ca mental capacity do they have to do certain types of work when it's three o'clock in the morning? And there may be, this is a side hustle and they're working another job full time as well. So it's that level of like, like mental capacity to handle the job that they're actually doing and performing. What are your thoughts on, on that? It's, it's a great question. So the, the answer is it depends on the job. And the first thing I would say is always hire full time. If you're going to, if you're going for, you know, lower price talent, you know, by U.S. standards, and let's just say it's sixteen to eighteen dollars. Let's just say you're going, but but it's really high price by their standards. But you know, hire full time. Why? Because you own their time, right? They're your employee, eight hours a day. So that's the first thing. And so what that does, and it's especially if you're going for lower price talent, there are many people that's you know go through the four or five dollar an hour route. 
if you don't hire them full time, you have no business actually hiring them because the, the money, you know, you, your, your business can support a person a thousand months, right? But what that happens then is now you're priority number one. So first is hire full time, make sure you're the priority, right? And once you do that, then what you say is, okay, does it make sense to have the person work at three, you know, over the graveyard shift? So there is a culture of working overnight in the Philippines, and many people actually prefer it because it lets them work with their families. So let's look at my businesses, right? I have e-commerce business. That business in particular, I have people working the graveyard shift. Customer service, that's the gig. But the people doing it know that's the gig, that's the business they're in, and that's normal. My bookkeeper, my content writer, I don't care when uh, they work, right? My if, if she works, if my bookkeeper works, if she works daytime Philippine time, that's great. I don't care. I just need to be able to connect with her once a week and just respond because nothing's really timely, right? So really just look at the roles you're talking about and what's necessary. What I find a lot of clients do is at first it's 100% overlap and then 60 days will move to a partial overlap depending on your time zone of either the morning or night, which means they're just staying up a little late or they're getting up early. The advantage to that is you now have stuff done after when you're sleeping and you come in and it's done. So mm-hmm. there are advantages to that. I don't, I'd encourage a hundred percent overlap because I don't think it's necessary. They're very, I mean, customer service is a necessary one. Besides that, what are we really talking about? Appointment setters, okay. Project managers, if they're managing a global team, maybe, right? But for many roles, if you really look at what you're asking, you need like two hours a day. Interesting. So um, looking for you to provide some some context and what you what you think entrepreneurs need to focus on to get the most of their efforts and ultimately scale their operations. So like what are some like two or three things? First, I would say is divide things you need to focus on is what do you actually do, right? That, that's a, it's actually a real existential question. What is your job as an entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. I think your job, I think everyone needs to recognize your job as an entrepreneur is not to run the day-to-day operations. It's to champion and grow the business and execute a vision, right? Mm-hmm. And so my vision, as you can see, was to work out of the bunk bedroom after getting banished here. <laughs> now. So actually, so like that's your job, right? Is to grow. So divide your day into two things, strategic, not strategic, right? Strategic tactical, right? And so what you should do is things that require your knowledge, experience, and and help make you money. That's Those are strategic tasks. Mm -hmm. Everything else is tactical. That goes to somebody else, 100% of it, right? And as you do, when you do this, that will be, and you actually bring someone on board. What will happen is over time, you'll, you'll, you'll sit here and you'll be like, wow, I have all this time to focus on making money. Let's use me as an example for my agency business. So for my virtual assistant agency, right? I don't make money by onboarding clients. And by the way, my clients would think it's a pretty bad use of my time. If I'm onboarding, they probably would think less of my company if I did that. Right? So what, so I have someone, I have, mul- I have multiple, multiple people, but I have my chief of staff who oversees the process. I have onboarding managers. I have recruiters, right? I only, I speak to a client when they need to speak to me, right? To check in or just to say hello or, 
or during sales. And that's what I do. Everything else I give to someone else. I make money by being interviewed, right? So it's brand building. I get to talk about it. I meet interesting people. That's how I make money to grow my business. And I make money by developing a strategic plan. Everything else has to go to someone else. There is no one you've, no large business, no successful entrepreneur who ever said I. It's always we because mm -hmm. there's a team. It's not possible. I, I could not have started the agency business without Angelica, my chief of staff. Would never have happened. Mm -hmm. Right. We did it together. Yeah. So that that's kind of the the quick and dirty like things I think you should focus on is is strictly growth, growth, growth strategy. Yeah, but like you said, it really comes down to first defining what it is you do as an entrepreneur. And it's the same it's the same sort of question for us when we bring on a new <clears throat> marketing program or a new marketing client. They, they first need to define who, who their ideal target audience is. If they don't right. know who that is, then they're not going to be successful um, with their marketing. And so that's a good uh, that's good advice. And I'm just curious because you brought up your agency. Is it a marketing agency that you're you're referring to that you have? Or? No, virtual assistant agency. So okay. I actually, so what happened is in the pandemic, Mm -hmm. Um, so my, so we were doing, you know, 4,000 orders a month in mm -hmm. my, my e-commerce business, but my largest business is weddings, right? So, Interesting. Uh, you can imagine how well, that's on public. <laughs> it's not so well. Um, it's yeah. fine. You know, I, I saved it. Right. But I said, okay, so now this is on autopilot, right? It's fine. And I was already stepping away thinking about what I want to do next. I said to Angelica, I said, can we find more people like you? She said, yes. So seven months ago, I started an agency and we just focus on high quality people. That's it. Mm -hmm. And it's growing exponentially and this will be my future business. I mean, I want to grow to like a thousand people. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, so I see, you know, the interesting thing is what doing this, what's a lot of fun is I get to see a lot of entrepreneurs, how they handle outsourcing. And it mm -hmm. gives me an insight into what to do better for mm -hmm. other people as well as myself. Mm -hmm. Let's hit on that high quality people for a second, because yeah. um, I think attracting those high quality people, you know, for you to go and ask Angelica, you know, can you go find me some high quality people? What is the hook? What is that that bait that you have there that that makes you more attractive than the next person? It's, that's actually a great question. So you've hired VAs, right? Both of you. Yep. You ever pay them vacation? We, yeah, we so that's one thing we we do pay vacation yeah. time. We do give bonuses at Christmas and stuff right. like that. So much like what you said there, Matthew, full time is key, right? And they have to you know be committed to you as as the company, sure. right? So it's super important. Okay, so that's first. Well, what about do you pay uh, do you pay for their healthcare, David? No. And and here's the funny the funny thing about that is we just recently learned that doing the full-time thing is the way to go because at first we yeah. weren't hiring them full-time and and we were getting really shoddy uh yeah. service and things weren't getting done when we asked them to get done and and we just realized like you know what if we want these people to be committed to us we need to be committed to them and give them a full-time role and as soon as we started doing that night and day so right so this but is no we we don't offer the health benefits and this isn't a gotcha my, my, my yeah, point yeah. is it's more like how do you get high quality people okay yep. it's not rocket science honestly i just emulated what a regular company does but no one does this no okay i pay for a medical dental life and they get a cake on their birthday which is more important i learned than healthcare. uh yeah i know it's it, they love that they love the birthday cake yeah. <laughs> so i get uh, I, I reimburse their internet 
I require clients to give them vacation and U.S. holidays off. Mm. And we have we create a support system with onboarding and the client, like with them and the clients, we have dedicated people, just overhead on my part, right? They don't mm. generate any money in the, the short term. In the long term, they do because it's a better experience that makes sure they're successful, mm. right? So you create all that it starts to really have this additive effect and people say, wait a second. Oh, by the way, you can work from home. No problem. And people are like, wait, what? And it starts to create this additive effect where higher level people who never would have, you know, done this before are saying, wait a second, I can work from home. I, I mean, I have a legitimate ex CEO who ran a division of, of 2000 people working for a client for like 26, 27 an hour, something like that. Right. So just think about that. A guy like that never would have talked to someone like me. So you, and I also, the other thing I do is while the both of you would never ghost a VA, it is a massive problem for remote workers. And so I guarantee that they will get paid for the work they did. They do. I, wow. I will, if for some reason I don't collect from a client, mm -hmm. which is, while it's unlikely, let's just say something happens. Yeah. Uh, I will guarantee that you get paid for at least the time you worked. I can't guarantee after that. But so you create this environment that is more like a real company while giving people the flexibility and you start living it. And then I talk to them and then you, they talk to other people on the team and they're like, no, yeah, this is for real. People like it. And ultimately then it's good for my clients because my clients are happier. They get better service. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey there, Jay here. Thank you so much for listening to the Merge Marketing Podcast. It would mean the world to David and myself if you could leave us a review and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We are so invested in bringing you so much value that we would love to hear what you have to say. We'd love to hear if you have any suggestions for upcoming guests. Whatever it is, we're here to serve you. Okay, keep it rocking, be good, and keep listening. Essentially, if the client ghosts, it's not like the client's essentially ghosting you, not the VA, because they're paying you. Is that correct? So, right. So in our case, it's highly unlikely because of yeah. how I structured the finances. Mm -hmm. But if you're a remote worker, right, you, you also have to realize you know, they have anxiety over this, yep. right? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, some clients only pay once a month, yep. right? So they pay them at the end of the month, right? So mm -hmm. now you have anxiety that you may not get paid for a full month. And yeah. people have said to me, well, I always pay. Okay, that's great. Well, not everyone is you. Yeah. So, but anxiety, you know, anxiety the, the, the employees have, right? So you take a lot of this stuff away and look, and I'm still learning how to figure out how to build this company the way I want, but you take a lot of the stuff away. It's, you know, we're working on company culture, right? It's a big challenge, right? Especially in the pandemic. And I can't go to the Philippines and, you know, host everyone and get together. But, um, you know, you, you start taking away. Have you done that? Have you done that? Have you been to the Philippines? And no, I'm supposed to go in December. Mm. No. Yeah. <laughs> so even crazier, I started a, a company. Uh, I, I have started a business with someone that will have, you know, we broke 50 in, in January. So I'll have like 60 people soon. I started a business with someone I never met. This is the power of the world. I never met Angelica. She oversees one business and is in charge of a lot of money for me. And she's halfway across the world. Never met her once in person. And this is this is where the world's going. Yeah, this is the world we live in. It's really cool. 
Um, Four hours, look, Tim Ferriss was was spot on. I mean, he was years before his time, but mm -hmm. you know, there's the next level of this, which is you know, wait a second, real work like business operations. Get imagine what a real project manager would do to most businesses. Mm -hmm. Dramatic. Mm -hmm. What uh, what sort of tasks? Because there are certain tasks you might not want to outsource. Right. Like there are certain things you want to keep in house, um, obviously, client relationships and strategy. Is there anything that you would um, recommend, you know, not potentially outsourcing, but keep it to yourself because you could see it potentially going pear shaped? Let me put, let me let me sub in for a second here, because something you said earlier, Matthew, was that your your staff in the Philippines actually deal with the client directly. 100 percent. So. I, I would trust all my, all my staff is phenomenal. I, I, I'm, they are, my clients love them. Yeah. I keep, I'm, I'm scared someone's going to poach somebody, but like they're, they're great. Um, so you can do client relations. So like, just use an example. I do the sale. That's it. I give it to everyone else. Right. Yeah. Because they're, and, and people say, well, that's not good customer service. No, that is great customer service because now you have someone dedicated on you. Me, I'm doing like 65 things, right? Yeah. I'm to grow a business. Now you have an employee who is really focused, whose job is to take care of you. And so mm -hmm. they so they, they oversee the whole process. You know, if you would have talked to me, I would have said, don't have someone do sales. But on my e-commerce business, I had my, my head of customer service in the Philippines close, oh, it's a gift basket business is the one she was working on, close a $90,000 sale. That's it. And multiple sales of 10, 20, 30,000 over the holidays. Mm. You would have told you, I was so nervous, guys. So nervous. And it turns out, you know what? I'm not special. She yeah. can do it. Right. And so I, I think there's strategy is something I personally wouldn't outsource simply because you're the visionary. I think you need to own the visionary piece. That doesn't mean you can't have thought partners, mm -hmm. right? So let's use the example of the, the guy who was the CEO of a division, right? He actually, I mean, he's he knows BPO better than I ever will. He could be my thought partner on this, but as a vision, I have the vision of where I want this to go. So I wouldn't do that. Um, so, you know, sales, I think sales, you know, even though I did it for my for my gift basket business, it depends on the industry you're in. I can outsource my sales, but if, you know, let's just say I have a Midwestern manufacturer who does appointment setters. So people call their existing clients, set appointments for their salespeople. They're less likely to be positioned to do sales just because of the type of business they're in, mm -hmm. but they're perfect to help set appointments. Uh, I don't really know much that couldn't be outsourced, to be honest with you. I just wouldn't outsource vision stuff. I spoke to someone recently and she's like, well, I want someone to be you know, the visionary. And, and I had to say, well, then what's your job? Right. You need you need a role in the company. It's yeah. you're too young of a company. Right. So I don't really know. We don't touch technology personally. Mm -hmm. That's just more of a I, I mean, I, the, the company would be three times the size if we did. I just can't solve that. I have time to solve that problem yet. But I don't see much, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, yeah I mean, there are skills that are better in different countries. Right. Yeah. So some countries may be better at uh, content writing, for example, mm -hmm. or, you know, technical project management. There's there's definitely pools of talent all over that are better in certain areas than others. Yeah. And so I had a feeling that was the way you were going to go with that. So let me ask this instead then, because yeah. I would, I would assume that a lot of your clients are in the U S uh, most of them. Yeah. I just, well, uh, I had one in Israel and I have one in, I just got one in Australia. So, so 
So yeah, <laughs> let's world. yeah, it is. Let's focus on the ones in the U.S. Is there something that you do to warm them up or introduce them to the idea that your point person is going to be Angelica and she's in the Philippines? No, no, no. I, I run it. I, nothing. I they don't expect, nor do they care mm -hmm. where she lives. Right. What, what, you know, for, first of all, in my business, right. I'm in a, uh, an outsourcing business. They wouldn't, it's like, they, they would assume. Right. Yeah. yeah. But in, in her case also, if you spoke to her, if I told you she lived in Los Angeles, you'd be like, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can't tell. She, she speak. And, and most of my staff speak with such minimal accents that you could not really tell that they didn't grow up in the United States in an immigrant community. Mm -hmm. So no, and I don't think most clients, honestly, these days, even let's say for your marketing agency, do people, would people really care if someone quarterbacking their entire account was overseas? Probably, I don't know. I can't I see it. Yeah. So right now, Matthew, you just, you have a client in Israel, you have a client in Australia, you know, this all begs the question, how are you marketing your own business? So I was, okay. So yeah, so that, so I was listening to your podcast uh, the other day, the guy from LinkedIn. Uh, the guy I spoke about LinkedIn. Scott Cleary. Yeah. Oh my God. LinkedIn is, so I say, so here's how I started my business. Okay. I'll, I'll give you the full gamut, right? So clients zero through 10, right? Were uh, all US based, but it was through networking. People I knew in my, in my network, right? After that, I started to test out blind emails, I started to test out, you know, all these other methods, right? Uh, referrals, right? That's always a good one. But after I, but I didn't get my first client who I didn't know to like client 11 or 12, right? And then after that, when I, I started posting like a maniac on LinkedIn, so I got a coach to help me figure, understand how to do this and build a, a real sales process. I just started just hustling on LinkedIn, talking to everyone I know, and just did it that way. And I can't say enough good things about LinkedIn. That's how I got the global clients, actually. The hustle. Sorry. Yeah, the LinkedIn, my the, the Israeli company was actually my my a web developer who was doing some work for me. And he's like, oh, I need somebody. And the Australian person was through LinkedIn. And I spoke to someone from South Africa the other day who's likely a client, LinkedIn. It's a real, I, I would highly recommend everyone we everyone do it. But the first 10, your network, if you can't sell it to people you know, then it's not a good product. Awesome. I love that. Well, as we start to wrap things up here, Matthew, I, I just have a one last question for you and then I'll pass things over to Jay. And that's, it's more of a personal question. So feel free to sure. answer how much you want. And I'm just curious because we talked about early on in this podcast, that you went from working 14 hours a day down to three, maybe even two. Um, are you happier? Speak to how you were before, what your relationships were like before, and 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 how you're feeling now that you're you're not doing that anymore. Well, I, I should caveat this that that's on that business. Starting a new business does demand more time. Of yeah, course, right? But it's not so. When I got rid of all these other things, what happened was, I mean, the answer is yes, I'm happier because my mind isn't cluttered. Mm -hmm. That is, I think, the worst part of being of doing all this busy work as entrepreneurs is your mind just gets cluttered. And yeah. I, I was, you know, it's like it's like next level happier. I mean, I, I was miserable. 
So yeah. uh, next level. And now, and by the way, because I have a team, even when I'm doing this business, I'm working a lot just to to, to hustle to just kind of get it so it's self, you know, kind of self propelling. But I, because I have a team, I'm I am very happy because I'm not doing all the tactical stuff. I'm doing stuff I enjoy, and that's the biggest difference. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate you, you answering that because I, I do find that a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs do work those 14 hours a day just to kind of say they, they did and, and they really don't have to, they just feel like they have to. And, and a lot of them, I don't think ever break out of that. Um, I don't know if there's a way to help them do that. Or I think it's just having conversations like these and um, over time, hopefully it will help more entrepreneurs realize that there's there's way to grow a business and, and way to do this that isn't killing yourself 16 hours a day uh, for no 100%, reason. A hundred percent. I think, you know, a lot of things in the media, right? The, the, you know, the glorification of the entrepreneur. Oh yeah. He, you know, Silicon Valley, they, they work 25 hours a day. They're in, there's a superhuman. And I think that, you know, everybody over time internalizes that this is what it should be. Right. Yep. And the truth is the most successful entrepreneurs that I know do not work like that. Yeah. They're working a few hours a day. They have teams do this, do this. I'm going to go play golf. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, think of even the most, one of the most famous ones like Richard Branson or, you know, Mark Cuban or these guys, you actually think they're working 14 hours a day. I mean, <laughs> come on, like, you know, it, come on. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think that it's just, we, we all have to take a, take a step back and recognize that you don't have to kill yourself to be an entrepreneur. Just yeah. be smarter, work smarter, yeah. not harder. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jay. You got anything before we wrap up? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the, the big point here is moving, you know, moving tasks away from being tactical to strategical and spending more time doing the strategical. And I think that's one of my big takeaways on this episode, Matthew. But I think um, uh, there may be some people listening out there or watching out there that may want to get in touch with you with some questions. What's the, what's the best way they can do that? Sure. Go to extendyourteam.com. Go to the contact page. You can actually book with me directly or you can send uh, an email to me directly. Or go connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm all over LinkedIn, Matthew Yeas. Uh, the name should be in the episode. And I'm happy to talk to you, even if you're not ready to be a client or you have someone on like already, I'm happy to help you avoid any pitfalls. I really enjoy this stuff. And if I can help someone avoid the landmines that I stepped on, I'm more than happy to. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. And yes, definitely uh, connect with Matthew on LinkedIn. Um, and Matthew, we end our episodes with the same question every single week. And that is, if you could choose one person dead or alive to represent your brand, who would it be and why? Oh, what's a great <laughs> question. Barack Obama. Hey. That guy's smooth. Yes. Like, if, he, like, if he, so I just believe if he was like, I doesn't matter. He could just convince you to do anything, like the, you know, and, and save the world. So I would say Barack Obama. That's awesome. Yeah, I think we actually had that one pretty recently. That might be a dupe. Yeah, that is a duplicate, uh, and, and, <laughs> which is okay because yeah, I'm he, not he is special, more original. <laughs> yeah, he is definitely amazing and has a way with words. So Barack Obama, it is. And uh, again, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Matthew. We really appreciate it, and we we look forward to chatting with you again soon. All right, have a great day, guys. Awesome. There it is. Matthew Yeas talking about outsourcing, the outsourcing pro. He's definitely a go-to. If you have any questions about outsourcing, talk to Matthew. Um, you know, I think one of the most difficult things to do uh, as an entrepreneur 
is is the ability to delegate and be able to pass off pass off some of those tactical tasks that you do on a daily basis to somebody that 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 might be overseas that makes it even tougher that they might be overseas but there is people over there that are skillful and 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 they have the experience to do those tasks that you're probably thinking you can move off of your plate. Hundred percent. Yeah, that was an incredible episode. I learned a lot. I mean, we we use VAs um, for certain tasks in our company, and I think uh, yeah, there's definitely ways that we can leverage them a little bit more and and perhaps treat them a little bit better. Um, not that we're not already, but uh, yeah, what an incredible episode. And and Matthew knows uh, so much and has so much knowledge about outsourcing that uh, anybody should should think about reaching out to him and figuring figuring how they can scale their business a little bit more effectively, especially now in COVID when uh, budgets are are definitely tighter than they used to be. Awesome. And with that, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for watching. And don't forget to go on over to your podcast channel to give us a five-star review and subscribe. Subscribe so you never miss an episode. Lots of exciting guests coming up. We'll see you next week.